This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, this is the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. WJSU General Manager Gina Carter-Simmers, a fierce advocate in the war against breast cancer who organized the Beauty of Cancer photo exhibit and wig project, lost her valiant battle against breast cancer last Tuesday night. So today, on her birthday... We're going to take a look back at her time with us in October and her contribution to breast cancer awareness. We'll also speak with L.A. Warren, media relations specialist at JSU, about his journey with Gina Carver as well. And to be part of the show, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email me at the show at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back after the news. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Last Tuesday, the world lost a dynamic, colorful warrior, Gina Carter-Simmers. She was the general manager of WJSU-FM radio station for more than 20 years. So today, well, we're going to dedicate our show to her memory and play a few segments of her last time here on the show. And after Gina was diagnosed with aggressive triple negative breast cancer in 2016, she started empowering survivors to share their stories. Uh, she began the campaign Beauty of Cancer, and there was a photo exhibit at the Mississippi Museum of Art showcasing women and their scars from chemotherapy and radiation. Carter Simmers died, called cancer a bully but also said the disease does not diminish the beauty of its survivors, and it did not diminish her in any way whatsoever. In fact, I think it made her more powerful. Uh, we'll also speak with a few people who knew her well and uh, be able to talk to them, too. So it's going to be a good show. And, and uh, as an extra note, too, because uh, Michelle and I had planned this show when we heard about Gina, but also Paul Ott Carruth also died. Uh, he died, I guess, this weekend, over the weekend. Yeah. And Paul had been on the show, too, talking about his breast cancer. And he died of cancer, but I'm not sure if it was breast cancer or not oh. with Paul. But, you know, Paul was a, a man, obviously, that got breast cancer. And he was very, very passionate about getting out there and telling men to go get checked, too. Mm. So, in a way, they both were warriors. And I wanted to give Paul a prop, too, on that because... Um, you know, I mean, for the fact that, you know, and I've known him a long time. I got mm-hmm. to know him when I worked at another radio station because Listen to the Eagle that he was part of was in the basement of that same building. So I got to know him and, and he'd been on the show a few times and I always loved seeing him because he was a storyteller and he had poems and songs and so forth. And just a, a man that really, truly, I think, loved living every day. And that's kind of the way Gina was, too. And yeah. it's, you know, I think so the way don't don't think of the show today as being sad or Anything, anything but a celebration. Right. And like you said, we want to celebrate her life, celebrate her legacy, what she left. And when you think about death, it's a transition. Of course, their physical body isn't here. But you think about what they meant to the world and what she gave, especially after she found out. That's what we're going to really focus exactly, on. Exactly. Because, I mean, she left so much behind. Mm-hmm. And you think about your legacy, because mm-hmm. really, honestly, most of us. About 99.99% of us, once we get past like one or two generations past (laughs) our passing, nobody knows who we are. Right. But she has managed to touch a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I know when she was on the show, 
And, and you're going to find out. You're going to hear some of the clips when she was on. Absolutely. I would get calls for like a week after saying that show was made me go get checked. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And that's what we, we're here for, actually. I mean, we like entertaining. We like having entertainers on the show. But the real... I'm uh, here for Deborah's food. Exactly. Because we, we come on after Deep South Dining. Exactly. That's the perfect slot. But seriously, though, uh, if you can help another person going through anything, um, like we talked about the depression last year and suicide awareness and those type of things, if you can save a life, now that's what we're here for. That's well, here's the deal. The and, I, and I can tell you, and my cancer was just a scratch, but mm. um, I'm very fortunate to be here and i have just the general idea and the general theory that you must pay your blessings forward mm-hmm. because i'm very lucky to be here i had three doctors miss mine so the fact that i'm here is a mm-hmm. miracle but i feel like that if i can get one person to go get checked mm-hmm. go get screened then i'm paying a debt right that's kind of the way i look at it yeah so definitely as well a lot of going on too and i just want to touch on a couple of other things real quick and i know you've got some great genius oh, stories yeah. and i want you to tell those too <laughs> um there was a very tragic shooting last week in a newsroom in Annapolis and five, you know, souls, really talented editors, all well, four editors and an advertising person lost their life when a gunman who had had a grudge against that newspaper uh, came in with a shotgun and killed them right there in the office. And there were several people in the office that survived. And of course I did the cartoon about it and I had, cause I think one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about journalists and you know, there's been journalists have gotten a bad rap lately by certain politicians, but I will tell you this about journalists. They, it's like almost like firemen or uh, first responders in the fact that they, they'll do it for any, they don't need money necessarily. I mean, they like money, but they do it because they're passionate about it. And that newsroom, after going through that, put a newspaper out the very next day, which is nothing short of amazing to me. And of course, my cartoon went everywhere and I was very humbled by it, but I got a very nice note from Paul Gillespie. And Paul was the photographer for the Annapolis Capital Gazette and was in the office and was very fortunate that the filing cabinet was positioned in a way that he was able to hide under the desk and mm. he saw his friends get murdered. And But the gunman did not see him, went past his desk, and when he was reloading his shotgun, Paul was able to hop up and get out the front door, but he had to jump over one of the bodies of one of his coworkers. And he's been on the news and everything else, but I got a very nice note from him. And I also heard from uh, Phoenix Grimer, whose mother was Wendy Winters, who was also killed. And he he, he asked me, he said, can, can I use your cartoon on my Facebook page? I'm like, yes, you may. Exactly. Of course you may. I mean, that's the least I can do on that. So very tough uh, story over the weekend, too. And, you know, I think about that. I think about who have I made mad? I've made people, a lot of people mad over the last 20 years with my cartoons. And, you know, there were some times when I've gotten some threats. And so you start thinking about that. You're thinking, wow, when is my day going to come? And you can't live like that. No, you can't be scared. And you can't, you have to live in your truth. And your truth is what it is. Mm -hmm. And like you said, be vigilant on what you believe and know that you'll be protected. And sometimes, like you said, sometimes things happen. We can't question it. We don't know why tragedy happens, why things happen this way. But, you know, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you don't have the answer. Well, here's the, the best the best advice on that is to live every moment to its fullest. Mm-hmm. And we do that because, I mean, you know, like last night, my son wanted to go to the pool. So I'm sitting there staring at my screen. I'm like, wait, I'm going to put the phone down and go to the pool with my son because you never know when you're going to get that last moment. And I know um, all those journalists that lost their life. And, and you know, of course, 
you know, every week it seems like we're getting a cartoonist. I actually had somebody who said, you're kind of milking the heaven thing, angel thing, aren't you? Saying that I'd done too many obituary cartoons. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm not doing too many. There's just too many tragic things that are happening because that's what's going on. And, you know, here I am. Uh, to, I've got, of course, Paul Ott's passing and I've got Brad Dye's passing. Brad Dye, of course, the very powerful lieutenant governor here in the state of Mississippi, uh, served multiple terms, which, he, you know, they can no longer do that, lieutenant governors, because they have term limits. So he was the last one to be able to serve multiple terms. But Brad Dye was well-known and well-liked and feared by some folks, but he was an incredibly powerful politician because the lieutenant governor has so much power in the legislature. And, and Brad knew how to wield it and did a you know, a lot of people really liked him. And he was before my time here as a cartoonist, so I never really got a chance to draw him that much. But, you know, Brad dies passing. And, of course, my thoughts go out to his family there and, of course, a lot of his friends, too. It's just, you know, I, obviously we live in a time when obviously there's some crazy things happening, some bad things happening. There's a lot of good things happening, too. And I think, you know, going back to Gina's legacy, and, and I was very, very touched by her Getting to know her and getting her on the show and having her talk about her legacy was just really amazing, too. And you've got some great stories about her as well. I do. I do. Uh, Jenna and I met, I say, I think it was over 20 years ago. Uh, my father was the general manager at WJSU, and uh, he and Jenna, uh, they met there. Yeah. And it's so funny that she asked me to DJ her, well, host and DJ her three-day wedding, I'm going to say it just like she said, extravaganza. Three days. Three wow. days. Most people have a one-day wedding. She had three days because she was very extra. And anyone, I know people who are listening right now, they know her. Yes. They are laughing right now. Jenna was extra. She was colorful. She was in your face. She was lively. She was not shy. No, all the time. So when you saw her, she had that big smile and she was like, hey, that, that hey, real loud, hey. But her wedding extravaganza was just that. We had actually a party Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I met her husband, Greg, then, and it was a nice weekend, but that was the only person in my entire life that I hosted a three-day wedding. Three days? Three days. What did she do for three days? I mean, <laughs> She had the cocktail uh, thing on Friday, and then Saturday they had the nuptials, and then Sunday um, it was like a another party. <laughs> it's like we want to celebrate our love, and she said that their love was so big it couldn't just go into one day. It had to be spread out over three days. Well, I like the sentiment, but that boy, is. that sounds expensive. Exactly. But you know what? We made it happen and it was a, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. It felt more like a family reunion. Yeah, I would think so. It, it yeah. did. It did. And that's my really fond memory of her. And I can say that she loved doing what she did. She loved media. She loved radio. Yes. Um, she loved WJSU, you know, coming from Alabama. She was doing uh, that type of work there and then came to Mississippi. So, um, What's well, hard to believe because I remember when she got here, right? so it's yeah. kind of hard for me to believe it's been twenty years. But I, then again, I've been here for twenty two, so it might I can't be say longer much. than that. But yeah. I, I was going. To, I told you earlier, I was going over the numbers. I'm like, it has to be about. It had to be about twenty years. I know it had to be about twenty years because uh, I must have been in my twenties when I met her. And see, I'm 45 this year. So when you add it up, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you were just a kid. I was. <laughs> yeah, speaking of just a kid, I've got to throw a quick shout out here to my lovely bride. Yes. yes Amy. Happy birthday. It's her birthday today. So I'm going to go celebrate with a nice lunch. And then I'm cooking her dinner tonight. Ah. So uh, I you. want all the hospitals to be on alert. <laughs> 
<laughs> food poisoning may be coming on the way. No, she's uh, you're funny. She is two years younger than I am and looks at least a decade younger than me. So I don't know what she does. It. She keeps going around the sun and getting prettier. I have I have no idea how she does it. That if I could bottle it, I would be very rich. Oh, that is beautiful. And so, uh, what else do you have planned? What I've planned? Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to shower her with a gift or two. I may just do that. And. Mm. Um, but you know, I mean, the boys—the boys can't wait. They're going to help me cook the dinner, so that's going to be. Oh, that's going to be. And fun. I'll be honest with you, um, my boys love their mom, so uh, that's going to be a big part of it. So they say sons and mothers have a special bond. Yeah, special might be a word. Now I've got one son that's at a church camp, so he will not be there, and he's the one that really knows how to push her buttons. Oh, and yeah, he's really good at that. <laughs> but he also knows how to make her really laugh. And so my oldest son is really close to her, and, of course, he'll be there. And then my youngest son, too. So it'll be a lot of fun. See, she's been out of town for the last three weeks, so oh. she's just back in. Her mom had breast cancer surgery as yes. well. Yes. So, what's the update on that? How uh, is she doing? She's doing very well. Uh, they did a double mastectomy, and everything went off without a hitch, no infection and everything like that. And my mother-in-law is an incredibly tough person. I have told the story many times, but she's... I used to work with her when I was a custodian, and mm-hmm. so uh, I've always admired her for her toughness. Well, you know what? Cancer picked the wrong person, and mm. so she had some cancer in her lymph nodes, and they had that removed, and she will now start radiation as soon as she heals up a little bit more. But uh, she's a tough lady, and I'm very, very thankful that Amy was able to spend some time with her and be able to take care of her mom. That's great. That's all that matters. All right. Well, we're going to go to break, right? And then I come think back. That, and... I think a break would be a fantastic <laughs> idea. And we're going to like it's going to be just a quick one. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get back and we're going to look at some of Jenna Carter Simmer's moments here on MPB on the show as well. This is now you're talking only here on MPB Think Radio. get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. I'm your host. Happy Monday. Happy Fourth of July week. Hope you get the week off. If you don't, well, you get two Mondays and two Fridays this week, so it's perfect. Always, it's always weird having the holiday right in the middle of the week. But anyway, I hope you do get a little bit of time off. And for those of you who are taking time off, thank you. You made my rush hour commute much easier this morning. Well, today we're remembering Jenna Carter Simmers. She's a veteran of Jackson State University. And she's an employee who meticulously documented her story and those of other survivors with a, an incredibly powerful photo exhibit entitled The Beauty of Cancer. Jenna lost her battle last Tuesday, but 
you know what? The fight lives on through her exhibit and her memory. So let's listen to a portion of her interview with us last October. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Hi, Marshall. Thanks for having me today. Oh, I am so glad that you were here and healthy and doing wonderful. I am. I'm healthy and I'm doing well. You got some good looking hair. And my hair is back. Yeah. It's, It's awesome. And it's super curly. I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> but this but this isn't a result of, of cancer. This is a result of good genes. Oh, yeah. Good you've genes. Been, you've been, yeah. She's had that. She's rocked. See, she rocked the short hair look before it was popular. Oh, People don't did. really realize that. Jenna did not jump on this short hair bandwagon. She's been, since I've known her, I did her wedding. How many years ago was that, Jenna? Uh, oh, oh wow. my God. I know. <laughs> Telling our age. Yeah. Say, a, this show's going to go downhill real she quick. Had a we're three, gonna get she had a three-day wedding event. I just want to point this out. Three-day wedding event? Not a one-day. She had a three-day wedding event. Look, people, I'm over the top. We right? only had three oh, hours because we couldn't afford that much alcohol, so it was just, we just kind of ran out. So. so, Jenna, I swear you've been so busy since the last time I ran into you, and I love... Well, I mean, tell us. Start from the beginning. Tell you tell your story from the beginning. Okay, so the beginning is on August tenth, twenty sixteen. I was told I had breast cancer. I bet you remember the time too. Uh, don't you? Look, it was in the afternoon. It was yeah. after my appointment was at twelve thirty, but I didn't see my doctor until maybe an hour and a half yeah. after that. But I still was optimistic. You know, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's a cyst in my breast, even though blood was um, seeping from my nipples. I still <laughs> found a way to say, uh, there's nothing wrong with That's me. That's not positive. That's denial right there. It, it's so de- it, yeah. it really is. I, I, it is. I, hey, I've been there. I understand. <laughs> so it was yeah. it really was denial. Um and at that time, Dr. Philip Lay, who's my breast surgeon. A rock star. He is such a rock star. And he said, um, you know, you're a breast cancer advocate now. Yep. I was like, man, please. <laughs> I could not receive that. I swear I couldn't. It wasn't wasn't until um, after my very first chemo experience, which was August 26th, after I had come down from the, the high that, that you're yeah. on, um, people don't realize they pump you with a lot of drugs before <laughs> you get the chemo. So, you know, you, you're, you're good for that first day, but you come crashing down. And so after I finished my crash, um, just looking in the face of my brother, who's a photographer, one of his many 13 jobs. Um, He's a photographer and I just saw a traveling exhibit. And from there I um, came up with the beauty of cancer. Of course, when I mentioned it to people, they were like, why would you call it that? Why would you call it the beauty of cancer? And it's for what you all said earlier, you have to find the beauty in things or it will kill you. That's right. You know, and so for me, um, the um, I'll share something with you all at the event, at the exhibit, um, the opening exhibit, which is still up. It'll be up till the end of the month at the Mississippi Museum of Art. I had each w- woman who was in the exhibit talk to cancer and they had a couple of um, seconds, like 15 to 30 seconds that they could speak to cancer. And this is what I said to cancer. I know it was your intention to have me hate God for allowing me to go through so much physical and emotional pain, which took a year from my life. But I have come to know the worst time of my life as the best time of my life. And I have lived. Lord knows I have lived. I have laughed and I have loved harder as a result of you. Cancer, you couldn't make me ugly. Beautiful. All right. Studio audience is going crazy (laughs) right now. That is so true, though. And, and a lot of people don't get that. But you go through this. And like for me, I'm really yeah, I'll go running in the morning and mm-hmm. I'll go watch the sunrise over the reservoir. And it's oh. so sappy and corny, but it's like it's, no, such a, it's a powerful moment because I got another day. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
that I love that. That is great. And the beauty of cancer. And the beauty of cancer. But you know, you've done something, um, and I always tell people that you know the one of the ways to heal yourself is to help other people along in your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Because women have helped me. Right. You know, I really had maybe known one person with breast cancer, but now I know more than 30. Isn't that amazing? And isn't that amazing? Yes. And, you know, this is like um, some of the girls joke. This is like the worst sorority to be a part of. But once you're in (laughs) it, we're going to do whatever we can to lift you up. Right. Um, Part of the exhibit, a portion of the auction proceeds um, go to purchase wigs for uninsured women. Because, you know, when our hair falls out, that is like the worst moment. How much does a wig run? A lot of money. I was just kind of curious. Just ballpark. Well, you know, um, a a really good wig is $100. A really good wig. And I've teamed up with Pure Illusion Salon Mm -hmm. um, in Jackson, who will be making the wigs for us. So, um, yeah. So we're excited about that. Um, You know, you know, uninsured women, they're, they're having a time, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking, you know, I just got to pay this medical bill, but you also want to feel good about yourself because that's how you're going to get that's out right. of this disease. Exactly. Because I mean, if you mentally, if you can't fight it, you're done, you're done. You're definitely done. You know, you've got a lot of energy. <clears throat> that's a good thing. What do you do when you're not putting together art exhibits? <laughs> I work. I have a real job. You guys you have a real job. <laughs> I'm wow, the general manager like? of WJSU Public Radio at Jackson State. And so I, you can I, tell she's done radio before. I, I've done she, radio for bit, all of bit. my life. Actually, after when I graduated from the University of Alabama, my first job was working at the University of Alabama's public radio station, WUAL, which is now a statewide network. I was the promotions coordinator, and um, that's how I learned to love public broadcasting. And I've never had another job outside of that. Can you believe it? <laughs> you know, I've been, I've lived and worked in Atlanta. Um, New Mexico, Birmingham, all in public radio and television, and now here in Jackson, Mississippi, where I've been for about 14 years. Been here 14 years. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it seems like yesterday when it you does. got here. It does. It seems like yesterday. So New Mexico or Atlanta, which has better traffic? <laughs> Look, I, I could re- really walk to work from New when I lived in, in New yeah. Mexico and Las Cruces. It was it, I, I loved it. I lived there for four years, and it was an awesome job. The people there are just so awesome. They really are. That's I think they Las Cruces. I, oh, I remember. Yeah, we stayed there on our move to San Diego. I was like, it's it is a nice town. It's Las very Cruces nice. Is very nice. Go back to that moment you received your diagnosis because I remember mine. I, I mean, I, it was April. 17, 2001 at 530 in the afternoon. That's when I got mine. And I remember mm-hmm. I'd been getting death threats throughout the day, <laughs> believe it or not, because it was really? the day of the Mississippi flag. Yeah. Boat. And so I remember that conversation. Talk about when he said that you said earlier that you were kind of in denial. It's like, this is just a cyst. Everything's good. Did you? Did, was I had your, a breakdown. Yeah. What I, did. I, say, what, I cried right. the entire time because my doctor said it's going to take a year out of your life. And that's all I kept hearing. I was like, I got to do this. I'm also a, a producer. I had a, um, a, a project go national. Which means she March, makes things get done. <laughs> March yeah. 2016. And I realized that I wanted to do it again. 10 stations across the country picked it up for my first gig. I thought that was great. Very and good. so I wanted to double those numbers. And so I was thinking of, you know, I got to get this done. And I knew that wasn't going to be a possibility right. because my breast cancer was so aggressive. I just finished treatment. You did. You ago. had a very aggressive. Um, so I was triple negative, which means it, it spreads. It grows rapidly. Um, so five months of radiation followed by um, a double mastectomy. And four weeks after it, I was here talking to you all. <laughs> um, then radiation, which burned my body so bad, we end up stopping a week early. I didn't get the booster. And then um, my radiation 
medication, um, a few weeks of it, I was also taking the chemo pills. And that, I didn't know if I was coming or going, to be honest with you. Um, And I was taking pills six uh, six pills a day, three at a time. And I hate swallowing pills. That was the, if you guys could see me plugging my nose, it was just crazy to swallow those pills. It was crazy. <laughs> so Jenna, let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm hearing you talk and I'm looking at you and I know how spunky and full of life you are. And I, unfortunately, and I've, I guess I regret it. And I didn't, I didn't see you during that time. And I can't imagine you going through that. What were you going through mentally, not just physically? Mentally, it was hard because I had made a pact with myself that I would only cry for a minute. And that was it, because I felt like I wouldn't be able to get out of it. Um, Even as spunky and um, loving life as I did, I hated life for for a while. Um, But you have those moments, and it was other um, breast cancer survivors who said, it's okay to mourn the loss of your breast. I was like, okay, so they gave me permission. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel sorry, but get out of it. Mm, Don't stay in it. Don't stay in Mm -hmm. it. And so, uh, like, I remember when I was in the shower and my hair started falling. Out when I knew it was because of the um, chemo concoction that I got. People call it the red devil. I call it the red blood of Jesus. I I was told my hair was going to fall out. In fact, I was told like seven times. And I finally asked the nurses, I said, why are you guys continually telling me that my hair was going to fall out? And they said, because you can take everything else, but when your hair falls out, you lose it. Mm. And I figured out why. And it's because that is the moment that you realize you're a cancer patient. Mm. You know, that's the moment you realize it. So my hair falls out and I'm screaming in the shower. My sisters have come from Alabama to take care of me. And my sister opens the shower door and she pops my hand. She says, stop. Mm. Wow. And I was like, what? (laughs) But I stopped. The purpose of that, it was tough love. It's like, don't stay in it, Jenna. Don't stay in it. And so I I didn't stay in it. It was, Mm -hmm. I gave myself a minute. I've had some friends that, you know, after they get the diagnosis, they kind of hole up and they shell and they never tell anybody. They Mm -hmm. go through this. You were very public and very open about yours. It took me a minute to get there because, you know, um, um, Black women, especially, we tend to be very private. And so even when I was recruiting for this exhibit, I felt like it was going to be difficult to get black women to participate because we are so private. And and it was like we can't be private because we're the ones who are dying 42 percent higher than any other net ethnicity, we are dying from Talk breast cancer. Talk about that for just a half a second. Why is that? Well, because we're finding out in the late stages right. when there's really nothing that can be done except make us comfortable. Um, a couple of, of the women in my exhibit, African-American stage four, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I just couldn't see that happening to my sister, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, so I became public. In fact, I posted a picture that I never thought I would post showing my mastectomy scars because when I, if for my friends who follow me, like, it has to be the right lighting, the right side. You can't see any fat in my stomach. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm just, I was just that um, superficial. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's the word. I was that superficial until I got breast cancer. And then I started talking about it. My grandmother, who is a kidney cancer survivor, said the more you talk about it, mm-hmm. the more you'll feel better about it. And you'll be able to get out of it. And, right. and I was like, really? And absolutely, she was absolutely correct. The more I talked about it, other people talked about it with me. Right. And so that's and very it, healing. And it's very healing. We're going to take a quick break. This is now you're talking with MVB Think Radio. We've got a uh, second half of Jenna Carter Simmons interview. Hopefully, if you or anyone you know is battling this terrible disease, this will encourage you and motivate you to continue your fight no matter what. Uh, More when we return. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
can't stick around for the rest of the show, you can always catch up by logging on our website at mpbonline.org or use the MPB Public Media app on your mobile device. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, today we're remembering a warrior, a fighter, a fierce advocate in the war against breast cancer, Jenna Carter Simmers. She has inspired so many people and organized the Beauty of Cancer photo exhibit in the Wig Project. And she wanted to inspire women and help them realize that breast cancer, labeling it as a bully, would never rob them of their internal and external appeal. And she did a great job. Now here's the second part of our interview with her that we held last October. I know a lot of you are listening right now and you've been through this disease. One in three Americans will be touched by cancer. It's an amazing statistic. And, uh, you know, cancer doesn't have to be a death sentence. It can be a chance to, you know what, you fight it and you go forward and you live your life. And I, our guest today has done more than just live her life. She is absolutely, I called her a cancer thriver. And I think that's a very good way of looking at it. Jenna Carter Simmers is in the house with us. Um, Jenna, I tell you, you know, we were just talking about the importance of early detection, and I know it's so important to do that self-exam every month, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I had gone on a serious, healthy lifestyle living, and I lost nearly 40 pounds. Good grief. I could actually see the lumps under my arm, but I also suffer from sinus infections three times a year. Talk about denial. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking, but something told me to do a self-exam, and I felt three um, pretty large, um, hard, pebble-like um pebbles right. in my in my breast. And so that is what sent me to to a doctor, but even a month later, talk about denial. And and so it it's so important. Some women are not going to find out that they have breast cancer through a mammogram because of the type of density in they their breast. The dense, yeah, They're not exactly. going to find out. So your best bet um, is to do the self-exam. Also, if it runs in your family, do those screenings, not just breast cancer, but other types of cancer. Um, as you said, one in three people will get cancer in their lifetime. So what did I do <laughs> at the event? I did an icebreaker. When folks walked in, instead of giving, we gave them name plates, but instead of letting them write their names, we wrote a one, a two, a three. They had no idea why. They yeah. knew it was probably something, some fun icebreaker. And so I had people, you know, ones find a two and three, threes find a two and one, so on. I just want to see one, two, three in little groups. So they get in the groups and I said, make a new friend, you know, and they were laughing, having a good time. And then I said, look to the person to the right of you look to the person and left of you one of you will be diagnosed with cancer in your lifetime then yeah. the room got quiet i said oh you want to listen <laughs> now <laughs> but it, it's and but i the point of that was take care of yourself Amen. know when your body changes know you know know you know when your breast is inverted know when there's lumps you know it, it, there's lots of things you can do the C word is not a death sentence in 2017. It's just not. But the key is early detection. You know, I do a thing to survivors called hope. It's humor, opportunity to serve, physical well-being, which you've done all those. And the last one is E for education. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't carry on a conversation with your doctor, it sounds like Charlie Brown's parents talking right. to you. Womp, 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 cancer, womp. <laughs> so very, very Absolutely. important. Absolutely. Um, wanted to... Um, Go back to what Michelle asked is, what did I want people to walk away from this 42 
um, piece exhibit. I wanted them to walk out with that you can survive this disease through early detection. I also wanted women to take care of themselves. Um, And the analogy I use is when you go on the airplane, a stewardess, when they give you the directions about the flight, if cabin pressure changes, the mask will fall from the ceiling. But before you take care of anybody else, you take care of yourself. And I think sometimes we as women, we take care of everybody Everybody else. else. We forget to take care of ourselves, which ends up in us dying from breast cancer. So I want them to stop. I want you to stop and take care of yourself. It's okay. It's okay. okay. It's not being selfish at all. It's not being selfish. Not at all. You cannot take care of anybody else if you're not good. And the good news news about this exhibit is is that people can continue to take something away from it because it's continued to run at the art museum. Yes. And then it's going to be traveling. It's going to be traveling um, starting in 2018. I've had a couple people already ask. So I'm like, I don't want to get overwhelmed in this process. A woman called me who used to work with me on the Battle of the Saxes. It was a concert series that WJSU did each year and said, I want to be responsible for traveling across the country. I was like, absolutely. So um, the first call that I got was from the Inflammatory Breast uh, Cancer Foundation in Houston, Texas. So they will get it first. Awesome. Um, After um, this exhibit finishes in um, Jackson, it'll be done at the end of the month. So we hope people will go to the Mississippi of Art, 380 South Lamar Street, and view these pictures. I promise you will not walk away with dry eyes. You just cannot because there are some really cute pictures like chemo, don't scare me. And we have Melody Haynes kicking the chemo boxes that, you know, the, the drugs come in boxes, the pills at least. So kicking those boxes, it, it, they, they, we got some really cute pictures. But then we have the picture of Sherry Lucas who has one deflated um, breast because she became malnourished after juicing and but that but it's crazy because she shrunk her tumors through juicing but she became malnourished and when she um, started getting her reconstruction which was expanders her body couldn't take one of the expanders and she let us take those pictures of her so I was I was amazed um then we have um Janine Blackwell who thought her cancer was gone and then five months later it had metastasized to her liver and we have her um um a topless picture but she's modestly covered um and we call it on the line and her mammogram pictures are on a clothes line and she's in front of them they're beautiful you guys mm. they're beautiful and i had the and i got to be the creative director for her shoot so i'm pretty proud of that picture i am even more proud um that these women said yes who did not even know me they didn't know you, but they do now. I mean, you're, yeah. you've got a bond now. You've all <laughs> got, got that bond. We've got a bond now, but they said yes to a project. And usually when you say yes to a project, you, you say yes to your friend. Right. You know, these women didn't know me. Um, they were referred to me, and they said yes because they knew that we could save lives. You could save lives project. and help other people. And, you know, I think the thing that's so powerful about the exhibit is because a lot of people hear cancer, and they don't really understand it until they have to face it. Mm-hmm. But this brings the humanity out. Absolutely. Really very strong. So, well... How can folks contact you? 
601-503-5239. That's my work cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be in and out these next couple days doing interviews. So that's how you'll be able to catch me. 601-503-5239. You can also go to the station's website where I work, wjsu.org, and just click on my email address, and I would love to talk to you. That'd be great. That'd be great. Michelle, you have another question. I do. This is one of the most important questions I want to ask you. Tell me. Pick out, if you can pick out one thing out of this entire last year of your life, what did you learn from this? What did you gain from this? What was something beautiful out of this entire I year? learned that I am super strong. I had no idea that I would have to face such a formidable foe, cancer. Hmm. That just never that never dawned on me because I didn't realize that cancer actually, breast cancer actually ran in my paternal side of my family. I didn't Mm -hmm. find that out until I got my diagnosis or of course I would have been more diligent, but it's that um, you're, you're stronger than you think you are. And if you could beat Mike, if you could beat cancer, you can beat Mike Tyson. (laughs) You know what cancer found out last year (laughs) that it can't touch Jenna. It definitely can't touch her spirit, and I can tell you that. It's time for our last break, and when we return, we're going to speak with L.A. Warren. He's the media relations specialist at Jackson State University about his journey with Jenna Carter-Simmers. And stay tuned for more Now You're Talking, only here on MPB Think Radio. mpbonline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy series, tomorrow morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email marshall at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a good 4th of July week, and maybe I hope you get a little time off, but thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, If you're just joining us, we've been taking a look back at the life and the contribution of Jenna Carter Severs. She was a fierce advocate in the war against breast cancer who organized the Beauty of Cancer photo exhibit and wig project. She lost that battle of cancer last Tuesday. Today's her birthday, by the way, and like I said, her spirit does definitely live on, but her contribution and spirit, like I mentioned, will fight pretty much forever. 
Uh, now with us, the, joining us is I know, somebody I really enjoy talking to I, during some of the tapes segments. Uh, he and I have been visiting a little bit. It's L.A. Warren. He's the media relations specialist at Jackson State University. He and I both worked in Houston, Texas for a little while. We probably were there at the same time to talk about this special bond that he shared with her and the work they were able to do as well. L.A., it's good to see you. It's good to be here. And I'm, and I'm so, so sorry because I know she was a friend, and, and I know it's one of those things that, It'll hit you just at weird times. Yeah, it was very tough, but uh, Jenna gave us all so much inspiration. So I'm so delighted to to be able to speak uh, yeah. about my relationship with her. Thank you, and thank you for coming in and do it. And like I said, I, I've never felt the kind of energy. I mean, when she was in the studio, it's like it was me and then her. She just filled the room with her with her power. Exactly. She had this uh, extraordinary presence. Yeah. She was almost like bigger than life. And uh, you could just, it seems like when she walked in, all the other oxygen just, you know, disappeared because she was, she was the light. Right. And, you know, I mean, it, and I don't want to just to discourage anybody who has breast cancer and thinks, well, if she had that kind of energy and power and will to live and it beat her, you got to understand the form of cancer that she was up against was extremely aggressive. Yes, it was. Uh, I mean, the the kind of cancer she had, just, you know, we knew that she was going to end for the, uh, the life, uh, the battle for life. Yeah. Even the doctor had said that she was going to have a very, very rough first year, uh, but that he was still trying to encourage her to continue on with her fight. Matter of yeah. fact, he even told her that from this day on, you will be the official advocate against breast cancer in that fight. so yeah. And she decided, I'm going to take on this war, and I'm going to do it because it's not about me, but it's about all of us. It really, it, it, she really embraced it, too. I've it, just never seen, I mean, I, I'm around a lot of breast cancer survivors and a lot of warriors. She was one of the toughest I've ever come across. Yeah, she really was. And she, you know, her legacy will live on forever and ever. Yeah. And I'm so impressed with what she's done. And I think uh, people who have heard the segments prior to me coming on yeah. uh, realize the kind of intensity, the, the kind of power, the kind of love she embraced, and she loved everyone. She did, and she truly lived in the moment. Tell me a little bit about yourself before we get started and talking some more about her. Well, um, I am a career journalist. Um, I've been in journalism for more than 30 years, and uh, actually I worked, I came to Jackson State University from the Houston Chronicle. I spent 15 years as an editor and as a writer there. And I had done some other work for other newspapers throughout the country, having worked with the Indianapolis Star. I've done some work through my association with the Houston Chronicle and the New York Times. So uh, Jenna hired me as the news director at WJSU in 2010. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was uh, extraordinary because at that point I had had all of my experience had been in print broadcast, print and not broadcast. So I, she was able to help me, to guide me along the way. And here I am today. Yeah. And now I'm not, I may not be with the radio now. I'm with public relations department at Jackson State. But Jenna was pivotal in my uh, transition from the print to broadcast. What was she like to work with? She was extraordinary. I mean, Jenna was very deep. Detailed, mm -hmm. and uh, you will notice that based on your interview with her and everything she did from the uh, beauty of cancer uh, projects with the, uh, the, the the photography, the uh, wig project, everything was done very very detailed mm -hmm. and very well and very well, <laughs> very, very, well, well very well, very well. When did you learn of her breast cancer diagnosis? Jenna was diagnosed in August 2016. Yeah, I learned uh, a few weeks after she found out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and. When did she enlist your assistance to help chronicle her story? 
yeah. Well, Jenner. Almost immediately then. Almost immediately then because she had become uh, quite a... She learned to appreciate my skills Uh as a uh, professional editor and writer. And uh, she knew that I had also had a printing and publishing company in Houston as well while I worked simultaneously at the Houston Chronicle. And she said, well, I know you're writing and you've done so many things for me and I want you to tell my story. And it's... We were talking a little bit uh, when, when you first came in. Number one, you start out in obituaries. Yes. And that, you know, people are thinking, well, okay, what's that have to do with anything? One of the things about being an obituary writer is you have to be very detailed, very accurate, because you know what? You don't want to get something wrong when people are mourning. So, I mean, that kind of trains you to be able to sit there and say, oh, we can tell the story complete. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, being uh, That was the best job I ever had, by the way. It may sound morbid, but that job forced me to be accurate with everything that I do. So uh, Jenna was, uh, so that's why it was so important that I did the story accurately. Right. As you prepared to tell her story, briefly talk a little bit about the emotions involved for you both. I mean, because that, that was very emotional for you as well as for her. Yes. Uh, a hot August day quickly turned from celebration to chaos, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, Jenna wanted to celebrate her successful weight loss through her yes. workout program. She had dropped 40 pounds, and she prepared to drive to the mall to a department store. And so after revving up her car's engine uh, for a shopping spree for new fitting clothes, she decided that her trip was actually derailed. Yeah. Uh, she Her car came to a screeching halt because the doctor was on the other end. He was saying, Jenna, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have breast cancer. And uh, her screams nearly pierced the windshield. Uh, She would later learn that she had an aggressive form of cancer, and along the way, Jenna would stay upbeat. But I was mortified, I have to admit. I was really mortified because I had seen how cancer can ravage a person's body. Uh, However, I kept motivating Jenna, and uh, she knew that I would be praying relentlessly that she would uh, be healed. You know, you went on to document Jenna's Beauty of Cancer Wave Project um, at the Moore, and and Gina, what she wasn't able to attend due to her deteriorating health. Tell us about her message to survivors and her regrets about being absent to that event. Okay, well, um, the night of the event, of course, uh, showed Jenna's obsession with just the details and the flawless event. Right. Uh, after photographers spent months and months and months, uh, you know, photog- photographing brittle nails, nails and discolored uh, hands, uh, they did an astounding job, but Jenna was, uh, everybody was spellbound. Jenna was spellbound, I mean, by what she saw. She was still very much emotional, even yeah. when she, I mean, the, the, one of the most, I mean, uh, amazing photos was of Jenna's uh, uh, staples that yeah. were where her breast had been, and uh, it was just very riveting, and Jenna's walkthrough was intensely, intensely emotional. For me, the museum experience was really riveting and heart-wrenching as well. Uh, the photo display was a beautiful work of the uh, photographers. It was just absolutely uh, wonderful, brilliant work. And, and to your credit, you did an incredible job um, being able to take something that's very private and very personal and be able to do it in a very approachable way for that people like me can see it and could completely feel the power. You did a great job with it. Well, thank you very much. I really wanted people to be able to feel this, yeah. the power of Jenna's actions And uh, I think that really came about pretty clearly because Jenna wanted me to be able to tell it in such a narrative kind of way so that people can actually feel what she was going through and what she wanted to do with the Beauty of Cancer Project. You know, um, sometimes people say, well, your spirit will live on. And and sometimes that can be a little bit tried. I think in this case, it truly uh, her legacy will be her spirit now. But now that she's gone, what do you think's next? Uh, Well, 
another Jackson State University um, cancer survivor is really planning to continue Jennings Beauty, Beauty oh, wow. of Cancer yeah. Project. Yeah. Uh, other images have been already added to the exhibit. And Sylvia Watley is, is her name. She's a part-time yeah. employee at Jackson State, and uh, she's a breast cancer survivor mm-hmm. in the Department of Journalism and Media oh, Studies. Oh, just one of the nicest people, too, yeah, by the way. I yeah. had pleasure working with her. So. She said, yeah. I want to keep this. Pro- I spoke with her the day that uh, she found out. She said, yeah. I want to keep this project going. And Watley also will sustain the WIG project as well, as I said. As for me, you know, I will be there to continue to document these new stories that Sylvia will take on because I will be there with her now. I have to, you know, it was just really magnificent that, uh, you know, everyone is rallying around Jenna. Even Jackson State University employees, I mm-hmm. mean, it touched that entire family uh, to the core, and which is why we're going to be headed that way tomorrow uh, to Tuskegee for yeah. the uh, ceremony. I know. it's it, Like I said, I still can't truly believe that she's gone. Um, in the last minute or so, do you have any final thoughts? That you're- sure. Now, Jenna had a bigger-than-life personality, Yes. Uh, a galactic smile, and a hearty laugh. And then she was a bright star that orbited our planet, quite frankly. And she shined a light on a dark, dark disease in hopes of helping survivors uh, avoid a similar fate as she uh, that claimed her and other fighters who have been silenced now by this uh, deadly uh, breast cancer. So um, we will remember her and we will cherish her forever and ever. Well, I especially appreciate you coming in and telling us a little bit about your your memories and your thoughts and getting to be in her orbit as she was the bright star. And I I tell you, um, I think there's part of me that can't believe she's gone, but there's part of me that knows, like I said, that there's going to be people inspired by her legacy forever and ever. And I want to thank uh, MPB for doing everything possible to shed a light on her legacy. Oh, that's the least I can do. Well... Shall we go ahead and we're going to go out with some final words, but let me thank real quick. Number one, L.A. Warren, thank you for coming in. And number one, it's good to get to visit with you as well. Also, too, uh, Now You're Talking is production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio is produced by the amazing and wonderful Michelle McAdoo. Now, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. But before we go, we want to leave you with the last few words from Jenna Carter Simmers. And join us next week for more Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, only here on MPB Think Radio. My last words would be that it's 2017 and I get stories that women say, I just don't want to know. I just don't want to know. I actually met a breast cancer educator a week ago who gave me some materials to give out at the event. And she said her daughter um, or maybe her niece, but a a woman in her family is very uh, diligent at her jobs. I saying, did you get your mammogram? Did you get your mammogram? And this one woman said, no, I just don't want to know. And seven months later, true story, she was funeralized. I don't want that to happen to anyone else. In the state of Mississippi, um, we average more than 400 women dying from breast cancer, which is curable when detected early. So women, take care of yourself first. Jenna, thank you so much.
Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy series, tomorrow morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield.